All right, Drew, come on, man. I got 3.30 sharp. There we go. Hit it. Bang. Consider it hit. Hey, everybody, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. Amy's dancing. Are or we try to. I'm Amy Scott. Oh I'm in for Kimberly Adams today. Thanks to everyone for joining us on the YouTube live stream and on the podcast or wherever you're joining us for Economics on Tap. We're going to do a little news, then we're going to do a little half full, half empty, uh, and then we will move on about our day. Amy Scott, what are you drinking, if anything? I am drinking. Uh, well, I'm about to. It's a little um, okay. Columbia Valley Chardonnay, because I'm feeling okay, fancy, and it, honestly, that's all we had in the fridge. So, cheers. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> cheers. So, I'm uh, as we were talking about before we turned the microphones on, uh, I'm doing a blind <laughs> beer this afternoon. So, I've gotten many a uh, an email from uh, the people who represent Firestone Brewery, uh, which is a brewery here in California, and they said, "Hey, we've got a new beer coming out. It's called Hypnos- Hopnosis IPA." Oh, and I was like, "Yeah, I like yeah, it. yeah," and you know, except for the hops trash. part, yeah. Uh, but I was in the supermarket today buying some scallions because I'm making chicken salad for dinner, but that's a whole different thing, and I need some scallions. And I saw a can of, of Hopnosis IPA, so it looks like that. Um, and uh, I, I, I like Firestone as a brewery. Uh, their Union Jack IPA is great. Uh, so I'm going to have a little, uh, little slurp of this one, and we'll see how it goes. Oh, that's quite nice. It's very good. Very good. Of course, the it is tall, like, skinny you know, can. Thousand degrees. Is that a, a newish well, yeah. beer thing? So that's a newish thing. It's a newish beer thing. They sell you the singles, right? Um, I don't like them much because by the end, it's a little too much. I think I don't know. It's all right. Whatever. I'll. I mean, look. I'll drink it. Right. I'll drink it. Uh, I feel like it's, so a, it's a, a seltzer a, thing. Yeah. Actually, you know? it might be. Right. Actually, it, it might like be. The, sel- the hard also, seltzer cans. Just just for the record, the beer case in my local Piggly Wiggly is being taken over by the hard seltzers. And I had been told that hard seltzers were on the decline. I mean, Sam Adams Brewery. <laughs> seriously, they wrote down like a chunk of change because they had so much hard White Claw uh, in their inventory yeah. that they had to write it down because they couldn't sell it. Uh, They're certainly all right, so on the decline in quick... my household. Well, there you go. If it was ever there, uh, which it shouldn't have been. <laughs> Good point. Scott. Okay. So, uh, let's do some news. Yours is actual. Mine is uh, not. So, you go first. All right. I'll do it. Um, So, this is a little bit wonky. I've got two items today. One is a little more weedy. The other is just kind of related. Yeah. So, as you know, the the housing market has taken a decided turn. Uh, Sales are down. Building is slowing as uh, mortgage rates go up and down and back up again. But anyway, um, there was an interesting story in Bloomberg today about um, mortgage lenders because uh, we're starting to see the first lenders go out of business as a result of the shift in the market. Oh, man. Yeah. That's no good. And what's interesting to me about this is that there are a lot more what are called independent or non-bank lenders in the market this time around. Yeah. After the yeah. housing market crash uh, that we lived through and reported on in the financial crisis, yeah. banks really pulled back their mortgage lending. And it took a long time to recover. And that made room for independent lenders like Quicken and PennyMac and Loan Depot, yeah. all these names that are advertising all over the place. And um, the the problem with that, or I guess the, the risk, is that uh, banks are 
required to have a lot more capital to cover losses. They have a lot of other business like deposits to keep them afloat. They have emergency programs from the Fed that they can tap into if they run into trouble. Non-bank lenders don't have those resources and they tend to be more thinly capitalized. They have less of that, you know, reserve to to absorb losses. So they're more vulnerable in a situation like we're in now where suddenly loans uh, that they made at lower interest rates aren't as valuable. Um, That's what happened with a company called Mm -hmm. First Guarantee, which failed after making loans that then dropped in value before it could package them and sell them to investors. And then the company had trouble making new loans at these higher rates. Uh, That company filed for bankruptcy. And then another company called Sprout Mortgage said it was shutting down last month. And, you know, a couple caveats here. These were lenders that specialized in riskier loans that aren't backed by Fannie and Freddie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And overall, the mortgage market is just way healthier than it was in, you know, 2006, 2007. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So nobody's predicting anything like, yeah. Yeah. This is not like super worrying, but it, the story does suggest that we could see more failures and certainly a lot of layoffs in the mortgage industry, just as, yeah. you know, refis and applications for new loans dry up. So that's number one. Yeah. I, I, the other sorry, let's just interject ahead. here for a second. Wait, yeah. because as soon as you said mortgage lenders start going bankrupt or going out of business, th- my mind, just because I've been doing this for a long time, flashes back to countrywide financial in the beginning of the financial crisis, 2007, 2008, and mortgage lenders, they're going bankrupt. And it's really important to point out, as you did, this is not that. This is not this that. This is not that. It's really yeah. different. But yeah. mortgage lenders have had a really good run the last several years. So this it is yeah, significant sure. that you know the market has changed. And of course, there's going to be pain. Um, on yeah. a related note, I saw an, a really interesting chart today from John Burns, who's a real estate consultant I follow on Twitter, And it showed that 73% of outstanding mortgages right now have a rate lower than 4%. So the vast majority of people with a mortgage right now are paying less than 4%. The current is, uh, I think, 5.13 for a 30-year fixed. And so that means a couple of things. One, it shows why there are just not a lot of people right now who want to refinance a mortgage and why these companies are losing business. Um, But it also gets to something that we've talked about before, which is that a lot of current homeowners just don't have a lot of incentive to move, right? If you've got a really low rate and you don't have to move, like, why would you? Because you're going to suddenly pay a ton more. And and with what's happened with home prices, it's just, you know, unaffordable. So the chart has this caption saying, this creates a powerful incentive to, quote, trade up in place, which is a term I have not heard before. What does that mean? Which basically means stay in, in your house and remodel. <laughs> so if you oh, want to trade up your house, you got to improve the existing one, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, housing is, is one of those things that deceptively contributes to the cost of living in this country, the general sense of wealth. Uh, and the idea that, you know, American dream and all that. And its fate is going to have a lot to do with where this economy goes in the next 18 months to two years, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because this week, the, the home builders said we're in a housing recession. So. Right, right, right. That's, right. you know, that is a big part of the economy. And for a lot of people, it's the biggest yeah. expense. Yeah, totally. So what Adam you got? Fierce says on YouTube, he says, trade up, Kai, and add air conditioning to the shed. Yeah, I hear you, Adam. 
I hear you. It's a whole long But how are we going to pay for it? Everything's so expensive. Yeah, exactly. Everything's so expensive, right? And there's a waiting list. Okay. So I, when we started this podcast, I had one news item. Now I have two. Ta-da. You can do anything you want on the podcast. How did that happen? You weren't listening to me. Cut and paste. (laughs) I I totally was. And in point of fact, I had an an extremely relevant rejoinder to what you had to say, Amy Scott. Touche. That's only because you're such a pro. Come on. Uh, okay, so uh, I don't know if you heard the podcast the other day, but I had a little bit of a rant about the news and the. Oh yeah, you can beep this I if did. you want to, and the crap and the BS and the back and forth and and the beating of subjects to death and this and that. So I don't have news news. I have, wow, that's an interesting story news that I will just commend to people's attention and give it a read. We'll put it on the show page. The first, and this happened, I think, while I was gone, but somehow I saw it and it just was wild. A couple of weeks ago, maybe, 10 days, whatever, uh, four people were struck by lightning in Lafayette Square right across from the White House. Three Mm. of them died. One of them lived. I'm sure, Amy, you saw this, right? Yes, I I did. Like in that neighborhood. Yeah, okay. So three of them Mm -hmm. died. One of them lived. The one who lived is a 28-year-old woman whose name I am absolutely going to butcher here, but I'm going to try to do it. Her name is Amber Escudo Contostatis. Um, She was hit and lived. Her heart stopped twice, once for 12 minutes. The nurses and the EMTs on the ground said that uh, the lower half of her body was completely gray and the rest of it was kind of blue. But she survived. There's a piece in the New York Times today, fundamentally about what that does to you, Hmm. to be dead, to have other people have died over the same incident, and you're alive. It's, it's wild. Um, so, so give that a read. It's one of those expand the mind stories uh, that just sort of registered with me. And the other one, uh, I, I, I will claim my Viking heritage here uh, and <laughs> point out that Nor- the, Nor- the Norwegians have done something very um, interesting. So there was a walrus named Freya, who was in the Oslo Harbor, frolicking around. And apparently she got too frolicky and too close to humans and too used to human interaction. Uh, And it appears that the Norwegian equivalent of the Fish and Wildlife Service killed her. I saw that. So here's the lead to the story in the Times today. It was another good day for Freya, the 1,300-pound walrus, named for the Norse god of love, be- <laughs> goddess rather, of love, beauty, and war, who had become a beloved and feel-good international media sensation, the frolicking mascot of the long Oslo summer. On August the 13th, the Fish and Wildlife Service, under cover of darkness, basically offed her. Um, and it's now a national scandal in Norway. It's, it's really sort of an emotional little story, and I just... Read that one, too, about the walrus. That's that's what I got. Poor Freya. I, I mean, couldn't they have, like, yeah. helicoptered her somewhere else like they do with uh, polar bears in Churchill, Manitoba? Like, you know, if yeah. she's a risk no. to others. Yeah. N- not, not, only, not only did they, did they uh, uh, kill her, euthanize is probably the kinder word, but apparently they, they used, I swear to God, special walrus bullets. Um they like 
cut her up and turned it into gel and all kinds of gross stuff. Anyway, read oh. that. It's just kind of a wild little story, but it's not anything that's stupid in the news. It doesn't have the word Trump in it or cable news or <laughs> affidavit or search warrants. Kai, you're getting really philosophical. Should we be or, concerned? I'm so, I'm so done with all the crap, and I need to find a way to... I need to find an outlet to that. Maybe this podcast is it. I this is, right? I don't know. Yeah, and that lightning story. I, I mean, what I took away from yeah. that, her her gratitude for the nurses who saved yeah. her life yeah. and her kind of vow to live yep. a good life for all the people who didn't Better survive. Life. It was very, very moving. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. read that also, one. And... Do, re- read that one. Do not hide under a tree in a lightning storm, just for the record. Do not do that. Oh, my God. I'm terrified of lightning. Yep. yep. Oh, are you really? Oh, yeah. I grew like up in Colorado. Oh, it's, wow. I was telling Drew. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. During soccer practice. Drew who, who, Drew, who also grew up in Colorado. Yes. During soccer practice, the, the lightning storms were so frequent there. Our hair would have to literally be standing up no. on end before oh the coach let us go sit in the car with our parents. <laughs> so oh, that could have ended I have a so healthy badly. fear of lightning. Oh, wow. Yes, oh, sure. indeed. Yeah, I mean, and it do. would. My hair do. would be standing straight up. So I have a healthy oh respect God. for lightning, and it's only gotten worse. As well we all should. Story. Healthy respect for nature. All right. Shall we, Drew? Absolutely. Colorado, Drew? Yeah, how about a game? All right. <clears throat> the game is half full, half empty. Drew Jostat... Is Johnny on the spot? Let's go. Okay, next year, Dodge is going to stop making the Charger and the Challenger. Are you half full or half empty on this being the Twilight of the Muscle Car? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because the day after I saw that story, I saw another story about an electrified version of some muscle car. I forget what it was. And a whole story about how they are uh, audio engineering that car to sound like a muscle car, even though it's not going to make any noise. (laughs) So they're getting rid of the gas-powered versions of the Challenger and the Charger. Uh, They may bring them back electrified. They may not. Uh, Look, handwriting is on the wall, right? All those those cars got to go. And look, you're talking to a guy whose very first car was a 1972 Cutlass Convertible 442, and and it got like a mile to the gallon. So it's got to (laughs) go. Got to go. Seriously. Yep. It's they're cool, but we can't do that anymore. We just can't. can't. For sure. Yep. So yeah, half full, I guess. Ooh, Gene half Hobbs sad. points out, and I saw yeah, half sad. Gene Hobbs points out in, in the YouTube comments. <clears throat> excuse me. They are making the Plymouth Roadrunner, which is true. <clears throat> Sorry, I caught some bug when I was gone. COVID negative, by the way. Uh, yeah, they're they're like rebringing back all kinds of weirdo little cars. But anyway, let's go. The Roadrunner. Never heard of that one. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Some... I think I'm not the target Sorry. demographic for these cars. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're probably not. You're probably Go ahead. Not. I have Sorry. also Great. not heard of a Roadrunner. <laughs> okay. That makes me feel a little better. Uh, some companies are moving up their cost of living adjustments or even offering things like gas cards. Are you half full or half empty on uh, creative inflation compensation? Hmm. I'm uh, I'm half full, I guess. I mean, obviously, everyone would rather have a raise, probably. Just give us the right. money. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it, at least they're doing something. If it defrays the costs, then, you know, go for it. Yeah, I, I agree. I would urge people to fight for it to the extent that they can. Raises as opposed to one-time bonuses or, or uh, gas cards, just because raises are there forever and bonuses are yep. one-time. But, yeah. Are you half full or half empty on store brands? 
<laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, there must have been some news about this that I missed. There, there was a great Kristen Schwab feature on what, what are now called private labels, right? I don't know if you remember yeah, back when yeah. you and I were growing up, but they were called generics, right? That's no and longer— And they were black uh, and white, uh, at least in my grocery black, store. They were literally yeah. black and white. That's right. They were literally black and white. Um, yeah, now they're called private label, and it's like Costco's Kirkland and Whole Foods 365. Look, whatever consumers can do to get whatever they want for cheaper, yes, let's do that. Half full. Yeah, although when I was a kid, I was definitely half empty because I was embarrassed when I of brought course. the generic Kleenex to school and everybody else Absolutely. had like Puffs Plus or whatever, you know? <laughs> now I wish I could go tell that kid, like, get I, over it. I hear you, sister. <laughs> Puffs Plus. But yeah, now yeah, I'm half for sure. full for sure because I'm the one paying for it. Yeah, su- sorry, super quick story. I was on a ferry from Buenos Aires to... Colonia de San Francisco in Colonia de Sacramento or San Francisco, I forget, over in Uruguay. Anyway, the opposite coast. Um, and they had, for some reason, a, well, of course, for business reasons, they had a duty-free shop on this ferry that went internationally. And it's an hour-long ferry ride, and I'm killing time, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm wandering around, and I go through the, the duty-free shop. And in the duty-free shop are Kirkland brand huge bags of M&M's and cashew peanuts, and all kinds of weird stuff. Kirkland, of course, is the Costco brand. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, how the hell did this get down to Argentina? It was wild. Wild. Do you think it's a black market, or do they actually have a a business down there? That's so interesting. They must have have some distribution deal, right? Because uh, while there are many black markets in in, uh, Argentina, up to and including for the currency, uh, I don't don't, don't think the ferry system is running that, but what the hell do I know? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Half full or half empty on automatic college admissions. Whoa. Automatic. So so this is a story that Stephanie Hughes did for Marketplace this week about how some schools uh, are doing away with the rigmarole of actual college application processes, the essays and the recommendations and the this is and the that's, which, as you will discover in, in due time, Amy Scott, is a flapping nightmare. Um <laughs> And just looking at grades and maybe test scores and saying, yeah, you're in or no, you're not. And look, it's uh, as long as we can, we can do the regression analysis and, and correct and control for uh, race, income, and gender, uh, I'm all in favor of it, right? Because the, the process now is just bro- – the application process now is just – not only is it broken, it's just stupid, truly. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about this. You know, I I yeah. covered higher education. You, you did education for a, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, and it's obviously it's a highly subjective process, which leaves it vulnerable to all kinds of bias. Right. Uh, but right. algorithms aren't necessarily any better. Well, they're be- they're better at some things and not better at other things. So I feel like there right. there's some potential problems there in a student trying to stand yep. out who maybe doesn't have the scores and the grades and the you know usual privileges yeah. that accrue to getting into college. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting. What's the, um, what's the I pass version of this game? I haven't decided. Once again, this, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I have no opinion. Oh, my goodness. Next, please. Okay, so alcoholic beverage tax revenue in Japan is declining. Huh. 
And the National Tax Agency is trying to encourage young people to drink more. I saw this. Are you happy? Actually, I I did. I I heard it. I heard it on Morning with David, I think, this week. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, yeah. Wait, really? You want to do that? Yeah. Oh, well, as I drink my wine here, I'm going to say I'm half empty (laughs) on this. I mean, I've heard that. You know, in previous times, a certain Japanese, you know, business culture was was like overfueled yeah, by alcohol, sure. and you know, it's you it's got its health risks. So I don't know if anybody should be encouraging yeah. people to drink more. Maybe they find another source of revenue. Cheers. I think that's <laughs> right. I, I I think cheers. That's right. I think vice is not necessarily a great <laughs> source of revenue when you're going to the younger <laughs> audience. Let's just let's just leave it there. Holy cow! Holy cow! No, we do not have one more. As just as I'm asking, Drew goes, "Nope." Pushing the button, boom. We are done for today on a Friday. Kimberly and I are back next week. Uh, we're doing a Tuesday deep dive on campaign finance, the money that is sloshing around this election season. Which, by the way, we're like ninety, maybe eighty-seven something days out from. Um, the midterm, so help us God. Uh, we'll talk federal races, but also. Look, there's money in local races, too, and and the money that controls judicial elections and school districts and mayors and city councils and all that stuff, that's all real, uh, and it matters. So tune in for that one Tuesday. So in the meantime, uh, please keep sending us your thoughts and questions. And I don't know, are you guys doing something on DACA? If you're a DACA we already, recipient? We already did, actually. We already did. But look, if you oh, have so this a DACA is like story, an old we'd love shout to hear out. it. It's right. an old shout-out. If out. you but, have but look, thoughts about yeah. Money and politics. No, let's 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 <laughs> no no no. Let's let's so let's do two things. One, if you got thoughts on money and politics, let's take care of that. But also, if you're a DACA recipient, let us know what you're doing because we'll do a Tuesday mailbag and we'll put that in there. No worries. All right. Yes. It's you know good. what? Send us any thoughts you have, including that that's, you don't want this host back on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at make me smart at marketplace.org or leave us a voice message. We are at 508-827-6278. That is 508 letter U, letter B, smart. Letter U, letter B, how about just U, B? Oh, I guess that's smart, actually, right? Maybe because that, those are words. I, yes, 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 yes. It's too many I numbers. I as I was saying, as I was saying, Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Jostad, the senior producer. Most of the time, is Bridget Bodner. And the team behind our Friday game is Stephen Bion, Mel Rosenberg, and Emily McCune, with theme music written by Drew Jostad. And the director of On Demand is Donna Tam. My goodness. My goodness. It's getting huh. sweaty in here. Right. I gotta get the hell out of this shit. Can I just say that? <laughs> Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.